0: welcome to the big fundamental podcast the san antonio spurs podcast brought to you by kens five the official station of the spurs i'm jackson floyd and joining me this week we've got Kins five sports director joe reinagle how you doing joe
1: good good jackson good to be back
0: yeah and uh, of course digital producer tom Petrini here as always how you doing today tom i'm doing all right jackson what's going on with you you know, it's a good day. I uh pulled out the uh, 2014 NBA Champions mug. So, uh you know, having having a good Tuesday so far today.
2: Very very cozy in your blanket fort there. I've got my uh I've got my gone through the dishwasher so many times you can't see Jonathan Simmons Austin Spurs uh collectible uh, cup uh full of when it's some of that good good Earth juice.
0: When it's a collectible, you got to hand wash it, man. You got to you got to preserve it
2: pristine condition. Yeah. I mean, it tells a story, though. It has
1: character. Okay. <laughs> you know. but that's one of those you put it in the dishwasher the first time, and it's about half of it's gone. So it's like, you know, they don't last long. I
2: have, I have many, many souvenir cups with, with that uh, logo on it. So uh, uh, I'll be all right. Hey, before we take a look at the Spurs, I
0: just wanted to get a quick couple of thoughts on just the the trending news of the day from the NBA. You know, over the last few days, the Mavericks have been kind of the most outspoken team against the play-in tournament for the playoffs this year. Uh, Luka Doncic uh, came out and said he doesn't understand it. He doesn't really get the point of it. And then uh, Mavs owner Mark Cuban today saying he has regrets for voting for the play-in tournament. Uh, You know, this play-in tournament was something we saw develop in the bubble uh, when, uh, you know, we couldn't get a full regular season in. And it was a way to kind of give chance, uh, teams on the cusp a chance to kind of compete even further for the playoffs. You know, uh, teams who might have made the playoffs if we had 82 games last season, had a chance to kind of prove themselves. Uh, but, you know, they chose to have the play-in tournament again this year. Uh, and, and now I think the team who's sitting in that seventh seed right now is the top seed in that play-in, you know, is kind of raising some issue with that. Joe, what are your thoughts on the play-in tournament and what the Mavs had to say about it? Well, you know, first of all, it's like
1: we're almost there. And now people are complaining about it. I mean, I like the idea of the playing tournament. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But, you know, it, it's interesting to me that Don't just would come out and say that. I get it. Maybe it's a little extra work. They're, uh, you know, afraid of losing a game, having a bad night. I understand all that. And Cuban, just out of respect for his players, going to come out. You know, oh, I really shouldn't have voted for that thing. You know, I, I'm sorry. Uh, but I like it, and it's a little bit late to start complaining about it now because, I, I, quite frankly, I don't think it continues. I mean, after this year, if we're okay and things are back to normal, then it won't continue. So it's really kind of a moot point at this point in time. It's going to happen. They're not going to change it. So, you know, you can complain all you want, and nothing's going to happen. I like it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: I, I think it's both late and early to be complaining about it, right? Because the Mavs are – Going to be caught in a a really t- tight race with a lot of good teams at the bottom of that Western Conference. They might be in a position where they're needing uh, to win not just one game as they would as the seventh or eighth seed, but two games as the you know ninth and tenth seed. So, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where sort of like the wild card game in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it adds one. It adds a couple more teams for the NBA. It's four more teams that are engaged in a post season, even if it's not the playoffs as we like, you know, think about them in terms of, you know, one versus eight in a, in a series. Right. Um, and that was, that was a semantic little thing that we did last year. Uh, Spurs made the post season, but not the, uh, playoffs because that was post season. But Jackson, you mentioned, um, you know, that was for what if they had played 82 games last year, this year, they're not going to play 82 games. They're going to play 72. Um, so, and, and they're going to great pains to play 72. Um, and that, that's another thing I think we can, we can talk about here a little bit. Uh, if, if you guys want the, the schedule isn't just tough for the Spurs. It's tough for a lot of teams who have dealt with coronavirus this year, uh, you know cases cancellations and injuries that you know it's 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 hard to say it's directly related but it's also hard to pull them apart right if if these guys have to put more wear and tear on their bodies than they're used to in a typical nba season even if they're only playing 72 games right um jamal murray uh tore his acl unfortunately in the last minute of that game last night um Awful for him. He was having a great year. Um, and, you know, there's never a good time for an injury, but a really awful time for an injury for both him and the, the Nuggets who were clicking had brought in Aaron Gordon to try to raise their ceiling and really make a push this year. Uh, and that's their their point guard. Um, he he does a lot for, for that team. Um, and, you know, it... It seems like for for a lot of these teams there's at this point in the season there's going to come points where you have to make a tough choice between we really need this game and we we really probably shouldn't put this guy out here right now um, and not saying that the nuggets shouldn't have had him out there, but it's it's just a tough situation for all of these players that i I think is you know kind of important to discuss.
0: Absolutely. I mean, even even the Spurs right closer to home, you know, we we just finished five and seven. What's on the, what's waiting for us, you know, in the next week, we got another five games in seven days. You know, it's a slog this year. It's a grind, you know, And, and the season always gets to the point where it feels like that. Uh, but especially more so this this season when they're trying to get to 72. Uh, and the injury bugs are, are here at home as well. You know, we just got Lonnie Walker back, but Gorgie Jang is still banged up. Ray Lyles hasn't played in a while. You know, these are guys, key guys. The Spurs front court depth is struggling right now. You, we, luckily, we're getting an amazing play from Drew Eubanks, who, Joe, I'll give you a moment to gloat on that.
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, you know, it'd be nice to have more guys, more the depth there to help shore them up, especially with that second unit who has just kind of really struggled without Yaka Pertel you know, uh, in, in position there. So to kind of fill that hole has been hard for the Spurs, and part of that is the grind of the schedule. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they do about the, the Jamal, injury, Jamal Arari injury. You know, you don't want to not compete in a game. It's a, what, six-point game at the time he goes down. Sure, Steph Curry is just going off, but you still want to compete in that game. And, and that takes the Nuggets out of, I think, one of the four favorites the, as contenders for the championship. Uh, now they're missing a key piece, you know. What do they do from there? Um, so, so it'll be interesting to so see what happens to, going on from there. Speaking of Steph Curry, just another reminder, right, that he's he's an incredibly special guy. Uh, one of, I mean, maybe like five just unicorn NBA players. If you're building a Mount Rushmore, Joe, where, where does Steph Curry fall on that Mount Rushmore for you as, as a guy, uh, you know, one, one of the all-time greats? Oh, wow. that's Boy, that's tough because it would have to be a big Mount Rushmore, right? There's a lot of guys who belong in that
1: Mount Rushmore. Um, but Steph Curry, man, is a special Special player. I mean, the guy is just – he's Houdini sometimes. And and just what he does is just incredible and so much fun to watch. And, you know, it's been so, uh, so fortunate to even see. It's different in person than he is on TV, Even. I mean it's just incredible. It's like how how did he do that? So I'm not sure to answer your question. I'm not trying to throw it off where he belongs on that Mount Rushmore, but um man, he's uh, he's certainly in the conversation for one of the top ten uh you know of all time. There's no question about that. The guy's just incredible to watch.
0: Yeah, I know I know I'm putting you on the spot, so so it's all I
2: I think There's a really good argument that he is a a top 10 player all time. I think that if, if you want to talk about Mount Rushmore's that he belongs on um, talk about players who completely changed the game of basketball, right? Like, like go back to Bill Russell and, and Wilt when they had to change rules to, to stop them from doing what they were doing. Right. Think about, the way that Jordan basically revolutionized uh, the way that stars were, were made and viewed in the league, Mm -hmm. you know, with, you know, from the way he played the game to the physical fitness, he, uh, he spawned a generation of guys who emulated him. Um, And Steph Curry, we're already seeing some of the effects of, you know, what, what Steph Curry and his skills and the, the skills that he's built as somebody who's you know uh, not not a physically imposing force um, is is really changing the game at all levels. Um, so when you talk about influence on the game of basketball, Steph Curry uh, is right at the center of what we're watching in the NBA today.
1: I, you, sure. throw, you know, you can throw Kobe Bryant in that mix too, and and I, and I know you know that, but I mean, you know, Steph Curry and you're talking about changing the rules, and I think that's an awesome point because the guys you mentioned, you know, the NBA had to adjust to their games. But a guy like Steph Curry, what do you do? I mean, the guy hits half-court three-pointers daily, uh, you know, and he just is so quick and so fast. I mean, I don't know what you do with an athlete like that. And even though there's been some guys that – kind of reminds you of the Steph Curry in a way if you want to go there, but there's no other Steph Curry. And it's going to be tough uh, for another player to come out and and be as good or even better as a Steph Curry at what he is able to do on the floor. He's incredible.
2: One other Mount Rushmore that, I mean, I guess two. uh, One's not a Mount Rushmore. It's him on a pedestal above everybody else as the greatest shooter of all time without question. But that obscures, I think, for a lot of people who don't watch him, you know, play too much, uh he's also one of the the top four point guards of all time, I would say. I and you know, I I think he he has a solid case for being like one of the top. Uh just just based on the way that he's able to pick apart defenses, you know, mm-hmm. without a screen with a screen. He's he's a practitioner of the pick and roll and also um, not far behind Kyrie Irving for best handles in the game right now slash you know ever. Um, and when you couple that skill set with his shooting ability, it makes him such a dynamic, not just scorer at all levels because he's he's great at the rim too, finishes creatively. Um, but he's he's a, a really underrated distributor and point man. So uh, I I would put him up there against anybody as a point guard honestly.
0: Yeah, last night he had 53 points in their win. That's his third 50-point game of the season. I think he's the oldest guy now with uh, multiple 50-point games in the season. Um, and he's not, he's, he's not old. So He's not old, yeah. Uh, I saw a stat last night, too. Um, I think last night was his 18th game with 10 or more threes. Uh, if you look at active players, uh, the rest of the list has that many combined. Next on the list <laughs> is with five. So uh, a, a very special guy. It's kind of almost paradoxical, going back to what you guys were talking about. You know, was he the right player for this era, or did he define the era and what it's going to be? Other players like that, you know, Wilt Chamberlain was a player for his era, right? You know, he played against the best talent there was, but he was the the guy who defined it. You know, uh, and, and it was Steph, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, who who Steph Curry passed last night to become the Warriors' all-time leading scorer. Um, Magic Johnson and Larry Bird were players for the exact. Moment, exact right moment in time for those guys to come out and be at the out in the NBA at the same time, you know, as TV rights and you know NBA games are suddenly broadcast live on TV and there's there's um you know uh, like highlight games, marquee nights where where these games can be broadcast and suddenly Boston, LA becomes or uh, LA, New York becomes a no Boston, LA. What am I talking Boston. about? Boston, LA becomes quite the. uh the uh the the rivalry there and then jordan for the 90 i mean
2: saved the nba like without exaggeration that the interest in that rivalry is what drove the success that created the environment that allowed michael jordan to be the most famous man on the planet yeah um you know and and so again as pioneers of the game go and and people who change the culture of the game magic and, and larry bird are hugely important
1: you know, you could make the argument a guy like Steph Curry with the way he can shoot three pointers. I mean, look at the league now as it is. It is a three-point league right now. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. So I think you could say perhaps that he is ushering in that era as we move along. Um, and, and that's where the league is going right now. So I think he was certainly a part of that. No question.
0: Yeah, special night for him. I, I, we're going to see plenty more special nights from him in the future there. I think I got distracted by Tom's New York Yankees hat. Tom, <laughs> I think the, the hairiest guy to wear the Yankees hat, you know? It, yeah, it, this, it, would
2: not, this would not be allowed in, in the clubhouse here or at the high school I went to. But, like, I mean, like, this, this is what the lacrosse players were all rocking with. I, I look like I could hit 92 on the gun right now. I'm feeling, I'm feeling confident. I want to go to the batting cage or something.
0: All right, we're gonna to have to talk about lacrosse in a later podcast here, Tom. But but you know, all that aside, uh, let's turn our eyes to the Spurs here. The state of the Spurs, if you were, if you will. Uh, last time we guys, uh, last time we all got together and talked, you know, the Spurs were 500, uh, and it felt dour. You know, it was a it was a very bad 500. You know, this losing stretch it had been on, uh, the losing some winnable games. You know, a week later, they're still a 500, but doesn't it just feel better? It, you know, to be on a two-game winning streak, to break a five-game losing streak. So, uh, Joe, what was your major takeaway from, from the week that we just saw in Spurs basketball?
1: Well, you know, I think the major turning point, uh, or certainly one of them, was that DeMar DeRozan shot that he hits to, to beat the Mavericks. You know, sometimes a shot like that is just kind of a, the kick in the pants that a team needs and kind of gets them going. And, and I really believe that that's something that Spurs, you know, you look up and you hit a shot like that, you win a game, and all of a sudden you're going, man. Finally, you know, something good happened for us. And, and I think that that's very contagious. Now, it's hard to tell because Orlando is a team that is just a shell right now. Spurs did what they had to do last night, and, and that that was great. But to see how that carries forward is going to be interesting. But I think those kind of things are really underrated uh, and can really start a team on a path to, to, to good things. And I think it will. But that, that was the – that shot and just the – the nerve, that they, I mean, he's got the guts of a skydiver, that guy. I mean, right? He's not afraid of anything. And, and and what he did and just taking that shot with the confidence he had and making it, um, I, I think is going to go a long way.
0: Yeah, and, I, you know, it's, it's funny too because that's the guy you want to have the ball in the situation. Mm-hmm. And, and the Mavericks are actually the team you want to play in that situation. They're the worst defensive rate <laughs> in clutch possessions like that. I think 134.8 is what uh, what I saw last night. So so a great situation to be in, but really it, it was just a, a, a weight off the chest of the mm-hmm. Spurs players. Uh, you could tell in the reactions, you know, a lot of the guys are fired up, uh, famously in that image uh, going after the game. Derek White, it looks very, uh, you know, people are questioning what his facial, uh, his expression means. I think it was more of like, a, all right, here we go. We're doing this kind yeah. of thing, you know, settling in. and uh, But uh, just a, a fantastic shot. Um, I, I, you know, that was the impetus for kind of the weight being lifted off, but I think something happened in the Nuggets game uh, a couple nights before that kind of helped them out. And Tom, you kind of hinted at this last time. So I'm going to give you the, the, the chance to gloat here, uh, Lonnie Walker, <laughs> right. And, uh, suddenly that Nuggets game, the second night looks a lot closer than it did, uh, in the previous one. What, what does his return mean for this team?
2: Yeah. I mean, that, that DeMar shot was sort of the, the watershed moment, maybe hopefully, uh, but the, the the water started to build up, the pressure started to build up, really, when, when Lottie got back, and I think it's uh, it's been telling in the past four games both how much they've missed him in the games that he's been out and how much he brings on both ends uh, that this team really needs and raises their ceiling um, and their floor. So, um you know, we we saw him um, in that Mavericks game. Put Nico Melli on a poster in the graveyard. Like that guy woke up at a Pavarotti concert. Uh, it was like <laughs> he he jumped he jumped from like right inside the free throw line, and like before he did, he was staring this man in his soul. Like you really want to do this? like have you not heard about me and like like i'm not I'm barely paraphrasing here from what he said last <laughs> night when asked about it <laughs> they They asked him about that dunk, and he was like yeah they they must have not had on this on the scouting report. don't jump and like, this team certainly seems a lot dunkier with him around. Not just him, but everybody around him. Like, they see a play like that, and they're like, oh, I, I want to get on Sports Center too. You know, because everybody on this team has a little bit of bounce. We saw it in the game last night. Derek White, they're a big. He catches the ball on a cut and wants to just crank it down. And, you know, there was some contact. It wound up being a, a layup where he, you know, smacked the rim after. But, like, you know, these these guys are – all good basketball players who can make uh, really electric plays, but Lonnie is a, a spark plug, undeniably. And so, bringing him back in uh, to play these games, um, you know, he's he's scoring in a variety of ways, confidently. In the game last night, we saw the Spurs, the Spurs bench unit go on a run, um, mm-hmm. and it was it was like he got a layup, and then. Uh, pass it, pass it to Demar Demar was like no you take that hit the 3 and then in transition he's just kind of trailing the play nobody picks him up he goes to the same spot launches it the ball hits its apex he's like oh that like he starts celebrating while it's still in the air about to sail into the basket and i mean he's he's putting together the the consistency and it's hard to separate that from the confidence uh, which has and the the mentality which has always been the the question with with him or has been this year you know can can he can he lock in and bring that explosive energy when he's on the floor and and distribute that to his teammates and in these in these games he's done that beautifully uh, and uh, all of his teammates and and coaches are singing his praises about it so it's it's. Uh, It's been wonderful. And it's been wonderful to see him do it on the bench, right? This is something that we talked about Jackson a while back was Derek White comes back, Lonnie moves to the bench. A lot of people are going to see that as like, ah, see, he's not, uh, (laughs) ah. If you you don't root for Lonnie Walker, if you root against Lonnie Walker, that was a moment where you celebrated like, ha-ha. Newsflash, he's better with the bench unit because he has more of a green light. And um, bench is better for it too. You know, the whole team yes. is better
0: for it, you know, having a second unit unit who's gonna return to form. You know, it was the best second unit in the first half of the season, right? You know, looking at specific lineups and how they played on historic runs for stretches of the season. Uh, of obviously the LaMarcus Aldridge benching and subsequent uh, buyout changed the formation of that bench with Jakob Pertle moving to that role but I think Walker has played an important role in kind of helping it return to form over the last few games. Something that I was happy to see kind of return to form was the, the, the kind of spread and scoring right? You know we saw a stretch of the games where DeMar DeRozan was the leading scorer for this team in four straight games. It's nice to see a little bit more distribution although they did go two and two. You know Murray led them in that first Nuggets game with 18 points. Derek White had a great game 25 points against the Nuggets the second time around and then you know DeRozan doing his thing the last two games against the Mavericks and the Magic Um, pop kind of spoke to it a little bit heading into the Magic game or I guess into the Mavericks game that you know DeMar DeRozan is playing a lot of basketball right now and the Spurs are relying on him to do that Uh, Joe how important was you know getting him under 30 minutes last night kind of having a blowout game versus the Magic where you could have a little bit more garbage time Uh, what does that mean for the Spurs going forward for the rest of the season?
1: I think at this point in time in the season, it's huge. I mean, you know, because they haven't had the opportunity to really rest. And Pop even addressed that after the game. He said, you know, you take that. That's almost like gravy to get an opportunity to rest these guys. And uh, and just that extra few minutes that they got, And uh, it's, it's enormous, especially for a guy like DeMar DeRozan. I mean, it's a, he's a superior athlete. Don't get me wrong, but even superior athletes get tired. And I want to go back, if I can, just to say what has really changed, I think, and what I noticed, and you guys, you guys tell me if you notice this too, during that five-game losing streak, the, the ball would get stuck with the Spurs. And it, it would just seem like DeMar maybe thought he had to do it, or Rudy Gay thought he had to do it, or Patty Mills, and the ball would never move. You look at the last two ball games, the ball's moving. And when the ball's moving for this team, they are very good, and they're getting open looks. They're creating shots, and and I, I really think that that's something that they've got to focus on as we move forward because it really got to a point there, man. They were, they were playing one man basketball for uh, big stretches and games, and it just they're not a good team when they do that. And uh, and and I like where they've gotten back to in the last well, you, actually the last three ball games, even that Denver loss, um, you know they've done that much better and they're just a much better team doing
2: that. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at the way that, uh, Patty Mills and Rudy Gay have gotten their buckets without Lonnie Walker in those games. They were asked to do a lot more shot creation for that bench unit. Um, and it's something that Rudy Gay historically, you know, ISO guy, Patty Mills more recently, he's, he's, uh, gotten much better one-on-one game. Um, sometimes it's working sometimes it's not um but they're they both seem to be sort of locked into scoring right and not really looking for their teammates quite as much uh they're super dangerous in transition right True. but to start transition what do you need a stop right and with lonnie walker in now with with the uh the defense shaping up a little bit um they're getting more opportunities in transition. They're getting more opportunities in half court that are less ISO, more ball moving around. Um, and, and it's been, it's been fun to watch. So, um, and also I think importantly, we've seen uh, pop go away from them in the final minutes of the game. A little bit here um, they they've, been really solid in their and I mean look at the game last night obviously against the magic right when I clicked on the highlight I saw DeMar DeRozan's face a man I did not recognize I'm sorry Dwayne Bacon I know what your face looks like now but like <laughs> really like I I wrote my whole game story without mentioning the name of a single magic player because it did not matter the Spurs were just doing their thing um, but the the bench unit it, it wasn't just garbage time that drew Eubanks was playing well in and right. you know, I mean, he got his first career double, double the, the game really swung on that bench unit. Um, especially in that, I mean, the spur, the spur starters came out a little slow, a little sluggish, a little flat. I mean, they, they got on a plane from Dallas the night before after playing a tough game and getting the win. Um, and then when the bench guys came in, it was, it was Lonnie Walker and Rudy Gay, uh, mm-hmm knocking down shots and, and the defense was spectacular. Um, the defense was spectacular. A lot of the time they dodged bullets a lot of other times. Cause again, the magic, but, um, you know, you, you saw a a bench unit that during this losing streak during, during this slide has been a real minus for this team when it was a plus, um, and now we're seeing a little bit more um, consistency from them and want to see Gorgie Jen get back out there. But in the interim, and, you know, Joe, I'll clear the pain for you because you were talking about Drew last time. Um, but Drew, after the, after the game last night, uh, mentioned, you know, he, he likes that he gets to watch Jakob Pertl get into the flow of the game, see what he's doing, talk to the coaches about it. And then come in and just, you know, hit somebody like, like knock the crap out of somebody and, uh, you know, set screens, roll to the basket, dunk it, get rebounds. And that's it. Like, like he understands what his role is. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's a guy who picked up the game of basketball late. Um, you know, he was was a baseball player and they were like, dude, you're six foot 10. Your strike zone is way too big. Mm -hmm. Try basketball. Um, and so, you know, he's, he's still figuring it out. Uh, but notably absent from his description of his role was uh, those hook shots. I didn't see a single hook shot from him last night. Uh, he, was, he was just doing uh, a really perfect uh, Jakob Pertl impression. Um, and, I mean, if, if he can bring that against non-Orlando Magic teams, that would be awesome. I would like to see it. Uh, but I, I loved what I saw from Drew Eubanks last night, and hats off to him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at—we talked about this last time. Just to, it, no matter who they're playing or what he does, he's always bringing the energy. And, you know, I compared him a lot to a Malik Rose back in the day because Malik was that guy. He would come in, he would bring energy, he would bang guys. And, you know, I know the NBA's changed. It's really more of a finesse game now than it used to be back when Malik played. But, you know, sometimes knocking somebody on their butt is a good thing. You know, you send a message sometimes. You get physical with people and and it kind of – it may slow a step or two. And I think that's what Drew does And I don't know if you guys noticed last night, but I was really watching this guy. And again, it was Orlando and I hate the fact that we have to preference everything by that, but we do just because of the team that they are not right now. But Drew Eubanks has a great grasp on the pick and roll. I mean, he really runs that pick and roll very well. And, and I think his teammates see that and, and they, they're looking for him and, the defense drops off of him a lot, and he's wide open. I don't know what he had, three or four dunks last night. And so, um, you know, he, he. I think he's getting better. I think he's getting more confident. I'm with you, Tom. I want to see him do that against, uh, you know, against a, a better team uh, and, and be more consistent with it. But I think a game like that for Drew uh, will give him the confidence that he needs. And, and, and not, not just him, but give his teammates a little more confidence in what he can do. And, uh, you know, I mean, and at least right now, he's fitting the bill, and he's 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 giving them an adequate performance. Last night what was better than adequate.
0: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned the dunks, too. I don't think that's something he's picking up from Jakob Pearl,
2: right? Yaka no. <laughs> Pearl.
1: But no, I got to say,
2: he's he's dunking more. He has – it there there have been less moments when i've been watching these games where i see him go up soft with something and you know the their shots that whether he makes or misses them they make me say ah i wish he just dunked it i'm getting less of that and one thing i just want to say really you know the the defense uh with Jakob Pertle really impressed me um in in the the Mavericks game there was a play that Like, I I watched 15 times, and each time I got, I had to like slow it down and stop it, and and I got more and more impressed. Uh, It's a late shot clock situation. He gets switched onto Tim Hardaway Jr. on the perimeter. Uh, Hardaway Jr. shooting almost 40% from three this year. Strong righty can cram a dunk right on you. Uh, And the way Jakob sets him up is he puts his right foot forward a little bit, inviting a drive left. The idea for Hardaway, it forces the big man to flip his hips, right? And he can create an advantage that way. Jakob immediately takes that advantage away, not by like pushing off his right foot and starting to backpedal. He actually brings his left foot forward a little bit and then pushes off that so that he's now strafing the same way that he could have if he had just driven to his dominant right side. So he stays on this guard's hip, and then when he he gets an opportunity that he thinks he can go up for the shot, he's, he's a dunker. He's going up for the dunk, right? And he goes up for the dunk in his strong right hand. Jakob Pertl's on his hip. He times the jump perfectly and sends it back. And it was watching it, he set him up for that the entire way. Uh, and to to have a center that, you know, uses not just like foot speed and agility to stay in front on the perimeter, but like IQ, like th- that's a mental thing. Um, and so, you know, Drew said he's, he's learning a lot in those, you know, big man meetings with him, uh, breaking down film and, and just figuring out both ends of that pick and roll. And, you know, even guarding in space. Like I, I trust, I trust both of these guys a little bit to guard in space. Um, Jakob certainly a little bit more. Um, but, you know, the the defense overall has been uh, great with Jakob Pertl. And, again, little things, right? He, he's getting a ton of he, – he generated uh, a, a ridiculous number of points on screen assists the other night. I, f- I, I forget the exact number. But he's, he's going to be at the top for stuff that doesn't show up for the Spurs in a traditional stat sheet, right? Shots contested. That's not in a box score, but he's near, near the top of the league in it um, and, and screen assists and those little dirty things, dirty work things that, um, you know, he's, he's not going to blow you away. There are going to be some nights when he has four points. I think he had four points last night, but he was also really impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the, the center position for the Spurs, I think is going to dictate a lot for them moving forward. And depending on how long Gorgie Jang is out. Uh, as as much as Drew Eubanks can bring, they're going to need it.
0: Yeah, with 20 games left in the season, I wonder how much of the ship has sailed on integrating Gorgie Jang into the rotation. You know, it's a bummer that injury concerns were an immediate thing in his tenure with the spurs you know he comes out within his first few minutes of the game right when the, what first shot attempt hurts his shoulder yeah. um you know it, it's unfortunate in that sense but the more trust and the more reliance you can have on drew eubanks the better and joe you spoke to it last week uh about maybe the spurs are going to be more reliant on him and i think drew is rising to the occasion in that sense doing his best attempt at being the second guy for the spurs so you got to commend a guy like that the spurs have been overwhelmingly lucky in the last 25 years at finding guys who, who, who can step up, right? Be it Boris Diaw or or Malik Rose, these guys who, who find themselves in the position and rise to the occasion. Uh, so it'd be amazing to see if Drew Eubanks can continue the season in that sense. And uh, also just to see what we can get from Gorgie Jang. Speaking of Yak's defense, uh, it would surprise me if he wasn't um, an all NBA defensive team guy uh, by the end of the season. Uh, And I think he should be one of two guys considered from the Spurs, right? DeJounte Murray is rising up there in the steals per game and total steals. It wouldn't surprise me to see him slide in as maybe a third team, all NBA guard, uh, maybe even second team there. Uh, What have you guys seen from him, Tom on on the defensive side there? I mean, he's really, I think it's gotten lost in the last stretch of game. during the losing streak but his defense is has has been been unwavering almost as unwavering as demar's scoring ability so uh, i just do you think we're going to see any accolades at the end of the season for Dejounte? i
2: i think it would be it would be cool to see it depends how the rest of the season here goes um i i don't know that we'll see him on an all defensive team this year because there's only two for all defense Mm, um so it it'd be tough to crack that but I think that what we're seeing defensively from them as a team, um, you look at what the addition of Derek White brings, right? I, they Jordan Howenstein last night said uh, he's leading the league for guard blocks with with all of the injuries that he's had this year. That's insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, he is, he is a, a defensive master. Uh, and another – you want to talk about a guy who understands the pick and roll um, – He's, he's another guy whose footwork I absolutely love on the perimeter when he catches the ball. He does this little, like, you know, he'll bring his feet together really closely when he catches it and and make this turn with his hips to get past somebody who, who commits too close uh, on a three-point shot. And his three-point shot is still getting back to consistent, he said, but, like, it's getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, but on defense, you have... Derek, DeJounte, Keldon, Yach, and, and throw DeMar in there, those guys can switch a lot of things. Those guys can all defend multiple positions, and that allows them to change things up scheme-wise. We're seeing them switch a lot more screens. Um, so it makes them a much more dynamic team, and we're seeing DeJounte get opportunities out of that, uh, You know, jumping passing lanes, things like that, but also... If you're on an island with Dejounte Murray, you're in trouble. He's going to take everything you got. He's just going to slap it right out of your hands and start running the other way. Um, and he's he's uh, imposed his will that way uh, in a, a way that's almost Kawhi-esque at, at a guard position. You know, like he he's a, he's a guy who you if if you're if you're Standing there with the ball and looking at him, you're calling for a screen or you're getting rid of it for the most part. Like there are not a lot of guys who want to go right at him. Um, and he's, he's shown that in the, in the past real stretch of games here. Uh, he's, he's been a bright spot defensively. And the pairing of him and Derek White, not, not just great in the backcourt, but it opens up a lot in terms of the switching that this team can do.
1: When I think both of those guys, I think uh, Spurs fans have been wanting to see that for a long time, those two guys in the backcourt. And that's why I look to the future with this team. Um, and and I think they're just going to continue to get better. And I believe that those two, along with some other guys, I mean, Kelton Johnson, I think, is going to be a star in this league, obviously. Uh is going to be a star. Lonnie Walker. I mean, the Spurs have a lot of guys that they could potentially be big stars. I mean, you could have a homemade – uh, all-star team right here in San Antonio, when you look at this. And I think that the Spurs brass behind the scenes has done a great job of assembling these guys and, and developing them. I mean, just like you used to do in the old days, instead of, you know, bringing a bunch of free agents together and, and having that, uh, you know, that, that star studded team, I think the Spurs have the potential to actually have that homemade and, and I think that's great to see. So I think the future for this team is incredibly, incredibly bright. And I think what you're seeing with some of these guys, I think Lonnie Walker is a great example. We've talked a lot about him. Uh, Kelvin, not so much maybe because he came in with, a, with pretty good confidence. But I think there's a point in time when these young guys play, and no matter how confident they are coming in, there's, there's that point in time where a light goes off. And it's like, you know, I do belong here with these guys. I belong with these guys, and I can play with these guys. And I think you're starting to see that. I think Lonnie Walker is one of those guys that came in and, and, and maybe had to feel his way a little bit. But now he knows he can play with these guys. And not only can he play with these guys, he can be a big star amongst the stars. And, and I think it takes a minute to get there, but I think these guys are finally starting to see that. And I, I just think the future for this basketball team is incredibly bright.
2: I mean if you if you mm-hmm. want to talk about future, we saw Luka Shamanich last night play extended minutes in that in that fourth quarter. And you know, the thing with Lonnie and the thing with, with Shamanich this year that I'm seeing is um you know after the development, after the, the G League, after you know, trying to earn a spot in the rotation, um the confidence and the understanding of the game are matching the the size and physical ability and skill, um, and and getting together in, into some really nice flashes of what these guys can turn into as as players as their careers continue to grow here. Um, there there were a couple of plays with Shamanich in you know garbage time against the Magic. I'll say one more time, um, but you know he comes up from the corner and gets a little dribble handoff from Drew Eubanks, moves really fluidly, shoots a beautiful three, drains it. Um, He catches the ball from well beyond the three-point line. He's live dribble, makes not even a fake pass, but a look like he's going to pass it. And then out of that explodes, crosses over, creates an advantage. And I see the point in the drive where at at this point in his development last year, he would have been bumped off. He, he would have turned the ball over or gone up for a shot that he didn't really want to take, uh, and it would not have gone well because the defender was on his hip, right? But he took one more powerful dribble, went up with it strong, and got an N1 out of it. And his, his muscle is much more uh, – he has a, a lot more muscle than he did when he came into the league. Um, and and he's sort of putting it all together. And we've talked about him defensively on this, on this show before. He's really impressing me on that end uh, with his ability to switch and uh, his his movement. The way he moves is so fluid on both ends. Uh, and at 6'11", when you can do a little bit of everything and have great vision and, and have an ability to shoot a little bit and can put the ball on the floor and create for, for other guys, and you're 6'11", <laughs> uh it it's it's hard to guard so yeah uh, a guy who i'm really excited to see develop and a guy who i'm hoping uh down the stretch of the season here there will be opportunities where other guys are resting where he can play meaningful minutes outside of garbage time because you know despite playing the or- orlando magic uh he didn't really see the floor until the fourth quarter so um you know e- excited to see what he can do and what the rest of these guys can grow into i think there's still a lot of untapped potential with this spurs team there's still a lot that each of these guys can get better at uh and that should scare everybody that this team has to play against moving forward
0: absolutely i mean the future is so bright for this team and i you know i i've been on this podcast on record about how in like how bought into luca i am Uh, you know putting the, the kids' college savings into Lucas Shamanich top shots whenever they, uh, they drop them. So we'll, we'll see. No, uh, I, I, we got a going <laughs> to the court, right, between Luka playing and, and what we saw from these young guys, Lonnie coming back. Uh, the future, again, was uh, brought up off the court. You know, we, we got another report from The Athletic this time uh, in the last week about DeMar DeRozan's impending free agency. The Athletic, uh, I believe it was John Hollinger for them, uh, reporting that DeRozan was going to keep a wide-open approach the free agency this coming off season, uh, And that comes amid what might be the best stretch for DeRozan, albeit, you know, during a, a, a tough stretch for the Spurs, he was playing impeccably well for the Spurs uh, and, and just um, just a, a bright spot for him in the season. Uh, when you see reports like this, and we've seen multiple reports like this throughout the season so far and even before the season, heading into the season, you know, DeRozan doesn't want to be here. And, and when these are brought up to DeRozan, he, he shrugs them off. So I just wanted to ask you guys, Joe, I mean, what, what, when you see reports like this, what kind of credence do you give to them? Or what are, you trying to, what, what are the team leads you're trying to read when you, when you see something like that come out about DeRozan or any player uh, with the Spurs?
1: Okay, let me give you a headline, Jackson, Tom. The sun might come up tomorrow. I mean, it's the same thing, for goodness sake, right? Now, Why wouldn't DeMar DeRozan listen to offers, listen to other teams, look around, see what he – I mean, he's, he's getting towards the end of his career, although I believe he's got some good years left. But, I mean, he's getting – he's – you know, he's up there. So, he, he's got an opportunity for one more contract. Why wouldn't you look around? He's playing well. Teams are going to be interested. Uh, I think the Spurs are interested in bringing him back. So no disrespect to any reporter or writer, but I mean, that's just kind of one of those things that's like, all right, it's it's clickbait, right? I mean, you guys know all about that. That's what y'all do, right? Uh, Not that y'all do that, but you know what I'm talking about. So you want want to read that story, okay? DeMar's going to, you know, take it slow and look around. Well, of course he is, duh. And so, you don't, you know, it's hard to put a lot into a story like that because, you know, you don't know if that came from DeMar or maybe it came from his agent. Maybe it came from who knows who. But, um, you know, you just got to wait and see in the offseason and, and what happens. But, he, of course, he's going to listen.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things where even if he said it, I wouldn't care. Uh, I've got another headline. I want to hear Jackson's after, but we. this is a good game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Grown man will consider his options about where he will move his family to and work in the future. <laughs> Don't care. Um, you know, it, even the, as far as Demar on the move rumors go, this one was pretty tame. Um, and it was part of a, a bigger story about a lot of different, you know, people who could be on the move. So, like, you know, I, I understand saying that. But like, it also makes sense that that he he hasn't agreed to anything long term with the Spurs here. Um, he he absolutely should weigh his options. Like, you know, these these guys are in a a pretty exclusive labor market, and they don't get to choose where they'll work mm-hmm. very often. Uh, you'll remember that the uh, transaction that brought Demar Derozan to San Antonio was not one that he was particularly happy about at the time. It's not something he wanted. It's something that he was told by the team before it happened would not happen. Uh, so yeah, he, he left the only franchise he's ever known the place where he wanted to spend his whole career and be Mr. Raptor uh, against his will. And, and he spent the last couple of years here in San Antonio mixed results. They're building towards something really special. It feels like, um, but yeah he should keep his options open as far as his options go i think san antonio is a pretty good one uh for for all parties involved uh as as long as the money's right and it's not you know a a deal that we'll be paying him into wheels falling off age uh and you know committing a ton of money there um but you know if if he wants to stay for another couple of years at you know maybe not max money but close to max money uh it it could be a a happy marriage here as he continues to be just you know not not just the guy that you want to to take the shot at the buzzer but in the rest of the game he's getting the, the other guys involved he's he's been a great leader on the court and off for the young guys uh and the offense is just so much easier for everybody when he's in there doing his thing. Um, One thing that makes me uh, like not, not quite as uh, worried about, you know, him falling off a cliff in terms of his age and stuff. He's not that old, right? I think he's 31. Yeah. Um, So he's, he's got a a lot of, a lot left in the tank. Um, And when it does go, what's going to go really um you know he he was never known as like a lockdown defender right it's it's not like the foot speed defensively is going to become this this huge issue like it did for Marco Bellinelli or LaMarcus Aldridge here right um it's his his game is he's going to be doing that at the YMCA you know for the rest of his life he's he's going to be 80 years old and like pick it pick up his dribble in the paint and hit somebody with a pump fake and then give, give him one of those for an n1 like his his skill and ability is gonna trans i, I think is going to age well um, and you know there's there's always that possibility that he joins the many NBA veterans who extended their careers by shooting that three point shot a little more which he's done a little bit uh, this year not quite the volume that uh, a lot of people had hoped for but it's something that he's shown more willingness to do so um, I, I think that as far as DeMar DeRozan's future goes uh, it's it's a wait and see thing and it I mean it very well may depend on how the rest of the season goes here in San Antonio right like why wouldn't you consider that yeah how, how these last 20 games go
0: I, I don't have a great headline it's something along the lines of guy who didn't choose to be here, may not want to be here, you know, something like that. I don't know. I I know just as much about DeMar's impending free agency decision after that report than I did before it. Uh, I'm a little worried. I know Tom, the the arguments there, he's might not get the opportunity anywhere else that he gets here. Um, I I do think New York, the Knicks are a major player in this, you know, they've got just as much money for the Spurs uh, as the Spurs do to spend this off season. I'm going to get flamed for this on Twitter. So uh, just uh, just warning you beforehand, I, I understand the consequences of my actions here. The Knicks might have a better young core than the Spurs. I'm throwing it out there right now. Um they they're in more they're in better contention right now than the Spurs are, uh albeit in the Eastern Conference and everything like that. I think Julius Randle is a guy you go to and suddenly you're complimented with an All-Star, which the Spurs don't have. Um and uh you know, you are in the biggest spotlight, a guy who is accustomed to being an All-Star, hasn't been an All-Star since joining the Spurs, hasn't been in the playoffs, you know, this might be the chance for him to do that on the biggest stage. There's a reason why big name players don't go to New York Knicks. Um, You know, the, Maybe it's a, a hazy, oh, you know, the, the, the ownership there is a little something, is a little questionable in some senses, in some regards. Um, but you know, DeMar might be the guy to do it. Um, that being said, I think you're right, Tom. I think DeMar is a guy who's going to be playing in this league till he's 43 if he wants to. Um, I, I want Grandpa Juice in the Spurs. I, I am all about signing him to the Supermax. Um, I, I know it's irrational. I know in five years I'll, I'll be regretting the fact that he's taking a giant chunk of the salary, and when we need to pay guys guys like Keldon Johnson and Lonnie Walker. But uh, if you're the Spurs, I, I, I would lean to keeping him and doing everything you can to do that. Joe, what are your thoughts? Do you keep DeMar? What, what kind of contract are you giving DeMar if you're uh, in the Spurs front office?
1: absolutely think you keep DeMar. And I think that, you know, I, I'm kind of with Tom on this. I, I, I think Max Money would be tough to do, uh, but they may have to pay that to keep him uh, because he will get some offers. And, you know, I look at DeMar, though, I think he's having fun playing basketball here. I think he likes it. I think he likes the development that he has with the young, that that he can do with the younger players. I mean, he's almost like a coach with a lot of these guys. And a lot of these guys look up to him and and look to him for that guidance. And so I think he's having a good time in that respect. Um, You know, and and you look at DeMar too, and and I agree with you with New York in the the terms that, you know, maybe – They're a little more advanced than the Spurs are at this point, although I think come next year you're not going to be able to tell much difference, to be quite honest with you. And I think the Spurs will have an all-star, too, coming out of that bunch next year. Having said all that, look where DeMar's been. Toronto, San Antonio. You know, throw him in the bright lights of New York City all of a sudden. He just doesn't look like a New York City kind of guy to me that he would want to go there and play. So um, I, I would love to see the Spurs be able to keep him, whether that's a max money deal or not. I, I'm just not sure I would not want to go there. Um, but if they really want to keep him, they may have to.
2: Yeah, I mean, playing at the Garden, always a really cool thing. But the, the New York media – Uh, it's like there's a reason that i am the way i am (laughs) Uh, (laughs) and like not not that he couldn't handle it but i just don't know that he would want to right and especially for a franchise like being the face of a franchise that has been so dysfunctional for so long uh even as they're sort of getting it together here under under tom thibodeau like um, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a risky proposition. Uh, and you know, he, as far as the young core thing that you said, Jackson goes, Julius Randall, awesome player, RJ Barrett, ton of potential, everybody else on, on the next to me is like, they're playing well, but don't excite me quite as much. Uh, frankly, Neil is fine. He's been fine for a little while. I, you know, um, they're they're really uh, around a deserving all-star in Julius Randle, who I think would be a fun pairing with Demar. Um, but if you look at the places that are going to be able to offer him the most money and uh, the biggest role, it's probably those two places. Mm-hmm. Um, the the thing with the money though is. Like, the Spurs could theoretically sign him, uh, like, using, using bird rights and go over the cap if mm-hmm. they wanted to. Like, they, they could use their tremendous amount of cap space, go out and, and get somebody else, bring in a, a John Collins or a Laurie Markinen or somebody like that, and then also bring, it, bring DeMar back and go over the cap to sign him. This team doesn't like going over the salary cap. If I was a billionaire owner of a sports team – I would probably do it. But then again, I'm not somebody who can be trusted with finances. So <laughs> like, you know, the, it's, it's something that could be done. Um, and, and you could say, you could say to tomorrow, Hey, we'll, we'll pay you. We'll increase the talent around you so that, you know, we can, we can get further to where we want to go. Um, and, and hopefully get a little more recognition for everybody involved that's another thing, right? Preseason 82nd best player in the NBA, but according to ESPN, uh, snubbed from the all-star game, like three different times. Um, so, you know, it's that, that might be a legacy consideration. You know, do I want to, do I want to continue to be somewhere where my talents and, and production, even if we were winning would still be overlooked. Cause like, you know, I mean, you, you could look back at all of uh, a, a whole bunch of individual accolade races that Spurs players were, you know, maybe left out of or, or maybe considered less heavily in um, because the Spurs are the Spurs. And like, how impressive is it if he's doing it for the Spurs, right? Because the Spurs are just so good. They're the Spurs. Um and and you know that that can be a perception for players. I'm sure. I'm like like that's something to think about. Um, but you know, does does he want to play for? Does he want to play a smaller role for a team that has a, a more direct path to a title? Uh, shot creation is always at a premium in the playoffs. He could he he could be like you know a really solid, maybe not sixth man, but play primarily with second units, right? Um, on a, on a team that has other guys, so there there are a lot of ways for him to have a successful NBA career moving forward. And yeah, that's that's why it's uh, not surprising in the slightest that he would stay open to all of those options.
0: Demar as a primary second unit guy would just torch other teams' second units, right? You know, just, just on the offensive side. So that's that's scary. and what,
2: when he when he plays with the second unit with the Spurs, which he does sometimes, like like he'll stay out for the entire first quarter and play against bench units. And, you know, it'll be, you'll see games where early on, he's, he's not moving around too uh, aggressively. He's, he's distributing, he's deferring, he's setting other guys up. And then, you know, they'll bring in the bench guys around him and, and he's like, okay, ISO time, pick and roll. Let's, you know, let's just cram it down their throats. And, um, you know, so, so he's in in any situation he's going to be valuable, um, but he's going to be most valuable to a team that's using him as that guy who's taking that last shot. Because if you have another guy who's taking that last shot, DeMar has to be on the court, and he isn't the strongest three point shooter. So, you know, that again, that's that's part of his game that we we'll, we're, we're still monitoring the development of.
0: Now, I mean, the DeMar decision is months in the future, right? We've got more basketball to play and this is a really important stretch for the Spurs who are sitting in that kind of on the cusp, in the play-in game kind of territory with a tough schedule ahead of them. And and the the week ahead coming here, we've got at Toronto uh, of course that game is in Tampa Bay where the Raptors are playing this season. Uh, Then they return home from Portland. Uh, That's a Kins 5 game uh, coming up this Friday Uh, so you can tune into Kins 5 and catch that one. Um, Joe, I always look forward to watching guys like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard uh not just to see what they do but it's also a measuring stick for for DeJounte Murray and Derek White these are guys you know who are supposed to be premier defenders at the guard position first of all what what is it about Damian Lillard's game that you that that is so impressive and and, uh what do you what do you see of the Spurs chances against a, a guy like him
1: well, I think they're good, and I think Dejounte welcomes those matchups. I mean, I do. I think he likes it, and I think any young player that, that that wants to get better, you know, relishes the opportunity to play against some of the best in the league. Damian Lillard is a guy that just, you know, he. There's so many ways to describe this guy, right? I think he's tough as nails, number one, and I think he is just smart as hell. Okay, forgive me, but he's a guy's just smart. I mean, he knows how to play. He he understands the game of basketball, and he just he'll outsmart you a lot of times. You can't say that about a bunch of guys. You know, some guys have better athletic ability than, than everybody else, so that's why they're so much better. With Lillard, he's got both. He's intelligent, and he can play, and he would just outsmart guys. And I love to watch him operate on the court because you, you watch him and watch him closely, and he just he's like he's plotting three steps ahead every time. And, and to me, that is just fascinating. And I love athletes that, that can do that and do it well. And, and to me, he's one of the best at it.
0: Yeah, and then, of course, that's the one home game in the stretch. They hit the road one more time at Phoenix and at Indy. Tom, with uh, Jamal Murray going down from the Nuggets, are the Phoenix suddenly serious title contenders or at least Western Conference contenders heading forward?
2: I mean, Phoenix has been playing great basketball. Um, Chris Paul, again, coming to a team where people were like, what is he really going to bring to this team? And it's like, surprise, he's bringing Chris Paul. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, the growth of DeAndre Ayton has been really fun to watch. They've got uh, a lot of really solid young players, Mikael Bridges. Um, they And Devin Booker is like what was a deserving all-star this year and is one of those guys who can just light you up from anywhere. Similar, similar to Dame in that respect where uh, it's, it's almost like the further away from the basket you set the screen, the better. Like I, I've seen uh, for, for Damian Lillard, Ennis Cantor will set the screen basically at half court and then they're creating an advantage f- like going downhill from there. And he can stop and pop it at any point. Uh, so it's, it's a really tough thing for anybody to guard. Earlier in the season, when Marcus Aldridge was getting heavy minutes for this team, it was nearly impossible to guard. You cannot guard Damian Lillard with a, with a drop in the pick and roll for your big man. It, it's an open three-point shot for him. Um, and if, if the guard successfully goes over... Then he's just taking a couple steps inside the line and pulling up from there. Um, so it's that that was an untenable situation against uh, shooting shot creators of that caliber. You know the the Stephs, the Doncic, the the, the Hardens of the world, the Kyrie's, those guys who can can just you know put it on the floor and pull up from wherever they want basically on an NBA court and feel confident doing so. Um, like I said, hard for anybody to guard those guys in isolation or in pick and roll. But uh, with with Jakob Pertle out there, there's a lot more that the Spurs can do defensively. Um, and as far as the matchup goes, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who I want guarding the other team's dynamic shot creator more. Is it DeJounte Murray or Derek White? Because if you look at the strengths and weaknesses of them as defenders – Derek is the more disciplined of the two, mm-hmm. I would say. He's, he's better at staying down. Uh, he's not going to give up lanes to the basket. He's not going to get beat uh, off of screens. He's not going to gamble too much. Um, whereas DeJounte is a pretty good gambler. Uh, that's, that's what he gets a lot of his defense on, is just picking his spot and, you know, go-go gadget arm. I, I hope the guy's throwing the ball that way. Um, but he's, he's great at reading it. Sometimes he reads it wrong. Do you want the guy who's a gambler or the guy who's more disciplined on the shot creator? I, I, think you, I think you want Derek White guarding the ball a little more so that DeJounte has more room to operate with those long arms in passing lanes.
0: Joe, what do you think? You putting uh, Derek on Devin Booker and Dame Lillard or uh, you, you putting uh, your, uh, putting your chi- chips all in on DeJounte Murray, if you will?
1: Yeah, I, I think with especially a guy like Damian Lillard, I mean, it takes more than one. I mean, it really does. It's a team effort to stop that guy. But I think Tom's right. I think Derek White being the more disciplined defensive player and, and the better defensive player. I mean, let's face it. I think he is the, he's the guy. He's your best defensive player on the team right now, in my opinion. And, and so, yeah, I think he's got to guard your best players. But, again, uh, those guys are so good. That I mean, it's it's really a team effort because you're going to get beat. Nobody's going to stay in front of those guys for 48 minutes. It's just impossible. So yeah, it really comes down to that. And and I love the stretch of games that are coming up because it's going to say a lot about this Spurs team because there's some good players, some good teams, everybody battling for playoff spots and. Um, it's really going to show a lot as to where this team is and if these last three games mean as much as we just said they did, which I feel like they did, and I think the Spurs can play with anybody. Um, but are they, are they good enough right now to get over the top on some of these teams? And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But to answer your question, Derek White, all day.
0: Joe's excited for the week ahead, so we're going to have to have him back on the pod next week. <laughs> Joe Eagle, Kins 5 Sports Director. You can find him on TV at, on Kins 5 channel five here in san antonio with all of your sports action and of course find them on twitter at joe kins five and uh tom patrini at real tom Petrini. uh lots of fakers out there so make sure you follow the real one <laughs> <laughs> Good side as well breaking down all the action i'm jackson at jackson kins five you can follow the pod at big fun pod the big fundamental podcast is the san antonio spurs podcast from kins five the official station of the san antonio spurs we'll see you next time